I'm going to be spending my time in the gospel reading today to sort of orient you. Last week's gospel reading was the story of the dishonest manager, the guy that is jacked up by his boss and says, you've been wasting my stuff, and so he then goes out and changes what is owed to his boss. And the goal there is that he will ingratiate himself in the community so that people will let him come into their homes and take care of him after he's lost his job. So he doesn't have to go out and get honest work. I was talking to my dear wife this week, and it occurs to me as we're watching the events in Washington, there are a number of Republicans who seem like they are afraid of losing their jobs, and so they are ingratiating themselves as the dishonest manager. Kind of an interesting thought. And then today's parable was Lazarus and the rich man. And the key here is the bridge between those two parables. That's where I'm going to be spending my time is in that bridge between those two parables because that bridge explains what's going on and why the two parables exist. You know, Lazarus and the rich man, for example, you could look at that and say, well, gee, rich people are going to hell. That's not what's being said. That bridge explains why that is not what's being said. So let's read the bridge. And the bridge is Luke 16, 14 through 17. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, all these things being the parable about the dishonest management and the fact that you cannot serve God and mammon. That's what they heard, and that's what they're reacting to. You cannot serve God and money both. So the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. That's your bridge. So figuring out what that means tells you why those two parables are linked, why he told those two parables, and what he's actually saying. First off, it says the Pharisees were lovers of money. Now, we have a time period here. The time between when John the Baptist started preaching and where they are in Yeshua's ministry. So that's the specific time we're talking about. And what Yeshua did, as John the Baptist did, repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. That was the message. The kingdom of God is at hand. And that message happened starting with John and going to Yeshua's crucifixion. Now, I will gently suggest to you that there are lots of people in our dear brethren in the Sunday church who regard that as saying, well, everything was under the law until John, and now everything changes and we're under grace. I have heard that taught lots and lots of times, and that is not what's being said. What he's talking about is the announcement of the kingdom. And I'm going to read the same thing from Matthew because there's slight differences, and that's useful. So Matthew 11, 11 through 19. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there was risen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. 
from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, the corresponding phrase in our Luke passage is, everyone forces his way into it. In Matthew, it's, they're trying to take it by violence. In Luke, everyone forces his way. So the, the concept is violence in both cases, just a little more subtle in the Luke passage than it is in the Matthew passage. Question becomes, what does that mean? The answer is, everybody is looking for the kingdom of God. The Pharisees are looking for it. Yeshua is preaching it. The question becomes, what does the kingdom of God look like? Yeshua has a vision of what the kingdom of God looks like, and since he is the son of God, I'm expecting his vision is correct. The Pharisees also have a vision. Their vision is different than Yeshua's, and all of the conflict between Yeshua and the Pharisees is over whose vision of the kingdom of God will prevail. That's the violence we're talking about. And that violence will result in his crucifixion. So the conflict here is between one vision of the kingdom of God, which is put out by John and by Yeshua, and another vision of the kingdom of God, which is that of the Pharisees. That's the violence we're talking about. They're banging heads whose vision is going to prevail. That's what's being spoken of when it says... Everyone forces his way into it. The Pharisees are trying to force their way into this kingdom of God and shape it in their own image. Yeshua is resisting that, hence the clash. That's what's going on. Now, in the Matthew passage, on verse 13, it says, All the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah, who is to come. The prophecy says that before the Messiah comes, Elijah will come ahead of him and announce it, right? So what he's saying here is, if you guys will buy it, John is that incarnation of Elijah that you're looking for. That's what's going on when it says the law and the prophets were until John. John is the fulfillment of a prophecy if you'll let it happen. What he's not saying is the law and the prophets have now been turned off because John and I have come. He makes that very clear when he says, it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. So he is specifically saying, I just said the law and the prophets were until John, but I'm also saying that the law has not passed away. He's saying it in the same breath. So it is not the case that when John and Yeshua came, all of a sudden we have a change in regime. We're now no longer under law. We're under grace. Everything has changed. Now, in the middle we've got, for what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. What things are we talking about? Now, the problem is that the Pharisees are saying, we are following Torah. Remember, all of the running gun battles that Yeshua has with the Pharisees is where they say, well, wait a minute, your disciples aren't washing their hands. Wait a minute, you're healing somebody on the Sabbath. Wait a minute, you're 
not following Torah. And what God is saying, or what God, Yeshua, is saying here is the thing that you are exalting is an abomination. You are not following Torah. This thing that you call Torah is not, in fact, Torah. Torah is Moses. What you're doing is something else. That's what he's saying. He's not saying that there's anything wrong with Moses. Moses is very straightforward, very easy to understand. Anybody can read Moses and, oh, well, wow. not supposed to commit adultery. Not supposed to uh, steal people's sheep. It's all pretty simple. What happens, however, is over a period of centuries, as disputes arise and so forth, religious authorities have interpreted Moses, and the way they have interpreted Moses is to destroy Moses. Done it very gradually over a long period of time. And one of the things that Yeshua says as he's duking it out with them is you guys have made the law of Moses to no effect by your oral Torah. So you have this whole series of thousands and thousands of rulings and regulations that have happened over the centuries, and the net result of that is that they are still calling it Torah, but it is no longer so. It is now an abomination. That's the crux of the problem here. And the problem is that the Pharisees are lovers of money. So what they have done is they have taken and twisted the Torah so that the things that they want to do, which is accumulate unjust money, are now legal. And in fact, we have an example of that, where Yeshua says, well, wait a minute, Moses says, take care of your parents. You've said, well, if you've dedicated your money to the temple, then the fact that your parents are out there starving is just too bad, because the money comes to us. So what is going on is the Pharisees have taken Moses, which is clear, simple, understandable, and direct, and they have piled on top of it lots and lots of rulings and regulations and so forth, the net effect of which is it allows them to cheat, to benefit, to rob, and become wealthy. That's what the deal is with Lazarus and the rich man. Not that there's a problem with becoming wealthy, but in context, what's going on is this rich man has, in fact, enriched himself unjustly. And so he is now living a life of wealth unjustly, not at the expense of Lazarus. Lazarus doesn't have anything to be taken from him. But the point is, instead of being charitable, taking care of the poor, etc., he has enriched himself and made himself wealthy. And so he is in hell while Lazarus is with Abraham. So you've got two vignettes. The crooked manager, you can't serve God in money. Then Lazarus and the rich man, where this is what's going to happen with those who serve money. 
And in order to understand that, you've got to see this little bridge between them. He's not talking against Torah. He's not talking against Moses. He's not talking against wealth. What he's talking about is the fact that under the color of Torah, these people have created a system that allows them to enrich themselves unjustly. Now, why are we talking about this? Well, several reasons, obviously. One is it's in Scripture, and it's good to talk about Two is, of course, there's a lot of misunderstanding in the body of Christ about what's going on here. People have interpreted it to invalidate the Torah under color of Christianity. The Pharisees have invalidated the Torah under the color of the oral law. Christians today have invalidated the Torah under the color of, well, here, it was only until John and now Yeshua has come and we're off on a new regime. In both cases, what's happened is Moses has been invalidated. Now, let me give you a passage from Ephesians. Good old Paul. We like Paul. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Notice that what Paul does is he equates covetousness with idolatry. Let's go back to our Pharisees. They have taken the Torah. They have, over centuries of rulings, invalidated Moses in favor of their own law, and their purpose has been so that they can covet other people's wealth. The Pharisees have turned the Torah into an idol. That's why they get thrown out of the land. God throws Israel out when they go into idolatry. Threw them out and sent them to Babylon. Whew, no more carved images for us. Well, we learned that one. No, you won't see me with a carved image. But what they do instead is they take the Torah and they bastardize it and turn it into an idol. So they are still idol worshiping. And what an idol does is allows you to do your own sweet will, whatever the heck you want, under the color of religion. So you get to stand up and appear all virtuous and so forth and say, I'm following Torah, while in fact you're a skunk. That's what an idol is. It allows you to do what you want to do under the color of morality, religion, or whatever, because we have invented our own religion here that says we can do that stuff. So, we have idol worship. And that's what is being talked about here in this bridge passage between the dishonest manager and Lazarus and the rich man. He's saying, you guys have turned Moses into an idol. And by the way, go back to the golden calf. 
what's happened is Moses has gone up the mountain and the people down below have panicked. They don't know where Moses is. So what they do is they make this golden calf not to replace God, but to replace Moses. We have lost our connection to God, this man Moses, so we need to make our own connection to God, which is this golden calf, and the problem is we are replacing Moses with an idol. Their motivation is pure, quote-unquote, God is not amused. So what you have in the golden calf is exactly what the Pharisees have done with the Torah. They have replaced Moses with something they can control. The Torah has not been abrogated. Yeshua says over and over again, it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one jot or tittle of the Torah to pass away. It, the Torah is the bedrock. All of this stuff you build on top of it is an idol. That's going to pass away. Now, let's look at our Constitution. The Constitution is really very short. Just a few pages. It's really very simple. The language is clear and direct. A farmer can understand it. Not that there's anything wrong with farmers, it's just that they are not educated men and lawyers. It was written so people who were not educated men and lawyers could understand it. It was done that way deliberately. Do you have any idea how big the code of federal law and bureaucratic interpretations is today? What we have is oral constitution, which is the exact analog of oral Torah. And so you get our politicians running around saying, we believe in the Constitution. They are exactly like the Pharisees who say, we believe in the Torah. It's exactly the same process. And by the way, it is totally human, which is why God has to sand things down every couple hundred years and start over, because we keep doing that. And if we look at our society today, and you look at social justice, you look at Black Lives Matter, you look at socialism, all of these kinds of things, all of them are fueled by greed. Nobody votes for socialism in order to give his own stuff away. People vote for socialism because A, they think they're going to get something, or B, they think they're going to be in power and they're going to be able to enrich themselves by handing out goodies to others. Money, sex, and power. Our society today is fueled by greed, covetousness, dare I say, idolatry. It's really important that you be able to see what's actually going on with all this junk that's flying around in our society today. Reparations. We need reparations for this, that, and the other thing. Oh, well, you were never a slave. I never owned a slave. In fact, my ancestors came to the United States after the Civil War, so I wasn't even involved. Why do I owe you anything? It is pure, raw covetousness. That's all it is. Under color of either Torah, religion, Christianity, or under color of the Constitution, both of which have been turned into idols. So it's idol worship. This idol says that I get to have your stuff. 
it's very simple. God's rules are simple. The Constitution as written is simple. Everybody can understand it. But when you get to the point that the only people who can understand it are specialists who write rules to keep you from understanding it, what you're doing is you're in the process of creating an idol. And again, don't get me wrong. Go back to Israel. Shmuley and Schmidlap couldn't get along. So they go to the rabbi and say, what do we do here? Rabbi makes a ruling. Rabbi writes the ruling down. In fact, there's a rabbinic story. There's a town in Eastern Europe where there was a very, very famous Torah scholar who was not the congregational rabbi. The congregation had a rabbi, and they also had living in town this very, very famous Torah scholar. And lady was making chicken for Shabbat supper. And as she does it, she opens the chicken up, and there's a drop of blood. Is this a kosher chicken? So she sends her husband to ask the rabbi. Can't find the rabbi. It's getting time. She's got to put the chicken on the stove, or we're not going to have Shabbat supper. So she goes to the famous Torah scholar. The Torah scholar says, no, you can't use the chicken. In the meantime, her husband comes back from the local rabbi and says, yeah, the chicken's fine. So now we have a conflict. Is the chicken good or the chicken not good? The local rabbi goes to the Torah scholar and says, all right, you are far wiser than I am. You are a far more authoritative scholar than I am. But I'm the one that's responsible for this congregation. So please, let's go with my ruling because I'm the one that's responsible even though you are a greater sage. And the great sage, you're absolutely correct. And to show that there's no hard feelings, both of us are going to supper with this lady to partake of her chicken. In order to show that I didn't twist your arm, you've got to come and eat chicken with her. The story goes on. But the point is, somebody had to question and somebody made a ruling. Perfectly benign. The instinct there is good. But the problem is, it gets written down, and over a thousand years, you keep getting this stuff stacked up on top, and all of a sudden, stuff creeps in there that turns out not to be good. And that's what's going on. Same thing happens with our Constitution. The initial ideas are benign, but now they have gotten to the point where they no longer are. Now, let's go back to our Matthew passage. This is the same bridge vignette. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah, who is to come. He who has ears, let him hear. By the way, this phrase, he who has ears, let him hear, is from the Tanakh. And what it refers to is idol worship. Because idols have ears but do not hear. They have eyes but do not see. They have hands but do not feel. They have mouths but do not taste or speak. So this catchphrase, he who has an ear, let him hear, are you tuned into God or are you tuned into something else? That's what that phrase means. It's become a catchphrase in Israel. 
but that's the source of it. Are you guys listening to God or are you listening to an idol? So John can be Elijah if you have ears to hear. In other words, if you are not into idolatry. Verse 16. To what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating or drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So what's going on here? My dear wife has a phrase that she uses all the time, you can't die to please them. They want to do what they want to do, and so they will always come up with a reason not to listen to you. John came and they said, well, came neither eating and drinking, so we must have a demon. Yeshua came eating, drinking, and you know, having a great time with everybody. Well, he eats and drinks with sinner. You can't listen to him. So what it is is what's called a logic trap. No matter what you do, they win the argument because they have set it up so that no matter what, they get to do what they want to do. Does that sound like cancel culture to you? When they want to cancel you, it doesn't matter what you have done. They will pick on something and they'll cancel you. It's exactly the same thing that Yeshua is talking about here. So that's where we are. And as you go out, understand what's going on. Understand that the only way back is what Yeshua said. Repent and return to Moses. Moses as written, not Moses as interpreted. It's simple enough you can read it for yourself. It's simple enough you can understand it for yourself. The Constitution is the same way. It's simple enough you can read it for yourself. It's simple enough you can understand it for yourself. And anything that doesn't match that basic understanding, what you have is some high priests who have issued rulings that have destroyed the original meaning of either of those documents. And that's where we are. And as I say, the only thing that is going to get us out of this is repent, go back to the original.